0: And just like that, what are we going to do? This series is over. This is the last week for what are we going to do now. And I want to start out by saying happy Mother's Day. I also want to let you know that Wynn is ready to give his message that he is prepared for Oikos in case my voice goes out. I have not had a voice all week. So I give thanks to God that I have this voice right now. So this is a beautiful day to remember those who have brought us into the world. Who God has chosen specifically to bring you and myself into this world of His. And when I think about it, I bet especially great moms have to exercise forgiveness a lot. How many times have you taken your mom... For granted whether she's passed on or not just think back in the past how many times did you take your mom for granted and yet even every time you took her for granted she still loved you when I thought about this I was like "Ooh." I called my mom this morning To make sure I would tell her, even though I said, I can't talk very long because I have to preach. That I love you. And even though we're far away, I will always cherish you. How many times have you said something unfavorable about your mom? Let me give you some examples. Man, she can be so annoying. Have you ever said that about your mom? That's up. I've said it about my mom. I hope she's not listening because the last time I talked about things that I said about my mom, she was listening. and She kind of held a grudge. <laughs> How many times have you heard moms from your kids, are you pregnant again or is that just your stomach? <laughs> I remember saying to my mom, oh, you're just so soft and squishy. Or how many of you have said, man, you're looking really old, Mom. (laughs) We say things that are unfavorable, and yet those of us who have great moms seem to respond with greatness. They pass it on. They forgive. And they love us once again. Even my mom, after she held a grudge, she still loved me. I will always be her baby boy. How many times has your mom asked you something, to go do something, or asked you to go do something, and you didn't honor her? And yet again, she just asked you to do it again, (laughs) even if you didn't honor her. And she keep asking. And she keep asking. That's what Sarah does with our children, I know. She asks them to make their bed or clean their room. And then two minutes later, she asks them, make your bed, clean your room. Walk the dog. And by the way, make your bed, clean your room. Walk the dog, make your bed, clean your room. And why don't you empty the dishwasher like you were supposed to? Why don't you go clean your room, walk the dog, and empty the dishwasher? She might start changing her tone. But I can guarantee you that she continues to love our children. Yes, I think great moms exercise forgiveness daily, maybe moment by moment, simply because the Lord has instilled in them this great love for their children. Today we get to hear about the disciples asking Jesus a question. And maybe they're asking this question because they had seen the Pharisees say awful things about him so many times. And they were just sick of it. And so Peter wants to ask him this question. And maybe it wasn't about the Pharisees. Maybe it was, maybe Peter was sick of Matthew. Matthew. Maybe Matthew had done something stupid for seven times, and he had forgiven him seven times, and he was about done with Matthew. He was ready to send Matthew away. Beep, I'm done with you. And so he says, Jesus, how many times do we have to forgive? Let's take a listen to the story.
1: Peter asked Jesus a question. Lord, what if someone wrongs me and I forgive them, but he wrongs me again? How many times should I continue to forgive him? Seven times? Jesus said, Peter, listen carefully. You're to forgive him 70 times seven. Think of it this way. A king decided to settle the accounts with those who owed him money. He brought him a man who owed him a million dollars. The king realized there was no way this man could pay him back. So he said to his accountant, take this man, his wife, and his children and sell them and then sell everything he owns. Get as much as you can and apply it to his debt. The man fell on the ground and yelled, oh king, please be patient with me and I'll pay you everything I owe. The king knew this was an empty promise, but he was sympathetic. And he said, release this man. I'll forgive the entire debt. The man could hardly believe his ears His debt was gone and he was free. A few days later, the same man found a friend who owed him $16. He grabbed him and started choking him. You owe me $16 and I want it now. The friend fell down and yelled, oh please be patient with me and I'll pay you everything I owe. No, I've lost my patience with you. I'm going to throw you into a work prison and you'll stay there until I get all my money. The king was shocked when he heard what had happened. He had the man brought before him. You ungrateful wretch, I forgave your debt of a million dollars because I had pity on you. How could you treat your friend like this? And for $16, guard, take this man and throw him into a prison. Jesus then said to Peter, my heavenly father has been generous with you when he forgave you all of your sins. Therefore, you are to be generous in forgiving others.
0: So Jesus gives Peter a parable or a teaching story for him to think about. Perhaps it wasn't Matthew that Peter was tired of forgiving. Maybe it was Judas. Maybe Judas had taken money out of the pot just too many times, and Peter was done with him. And so he asked Jesus, "Do we need to continue to forgive?" And, of course, Jesus gives them this story because it's about, do you ever get sick of forgiving? Because I know I do. You get tired of it. Maybe sick is a strong word. Maybe you get tired. Tired of forgiving someone of the same offense time and time and time again. And even though we say this prayer, even though I say this prayer almost daily, in this prayer, it says, forgive us our trespasses. You guys know it, right? As we forgive those who trespass against us. Now, you would think that I would make a connection. That when I get tired of forgiving, I'm actually asking the Lord to stop forgiving me. So when that person has offended me, time and time and time, time again, and I go, I'm pretty much done here. You're either stupid or I just can't like you. I'm asking the Lord to say, hey, Aaron, you're either stupid or I just can't like you. Because I say this prayer, the words that Jesus gave us, forgive me as I forgive those who have trespassed against me. Jesus would say on another occasion, so watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. Jesus gives an example when he's on the cross that those who were killing him, those who were against him, he cries out, what does he cry out? You guys all know it, right? In his most darkest hour, with our sin upon him, he cries out, Father, forgive them. The Greek word that they use here is aphasis. Aphasis normally in the Greek culture was used particularly about forgiving financial debts. That's why Jesus uses this parable. Do you see the tie? Because when they would hear aphasis, they would normally think, I'm forgiving a debt. I borrowed some money from Debbie and now Debbie goes he's never going to pay me back. <laughs> so I'm just going to have uh, him. I'm going to forgive the debt. I'm going to wipe it clean. I'm going to balance the books by simply crossing it out. I'm going to send that money that was supposed to come to me away. But in Our terms, when Jesus makes this parable, he's saying Ephesus is also about forgiveness. And I wonder when we talk about this, how many times when we forgive, are we actually sending the sin away, or are we trying to send the person away? Are you catching me? Are we actually forgiving the sin or are we trying to get the person out of our life? How many times do we avoid forgiveness? Because forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness isn't something that we want to do. Right? Because it requires a few things. One, it requires for you to actually let go of what the person has done to you. You are to send it away. So that little trite saying that we say for, you know, forgive and forget, it actually is kind of accurate to send it away. But we don't like to do that, right? Like, we want to clear the books, but we want to put a little note in there that when that person does it to me again, that's twice. Three times and you're out. How many times have you said that to your kids? But forgiveness is to not be able to say. That's twice. So when Peter says, how many times do I need to forgive? Jesus is saying, you really don't get to count. You are to send it away. So what does it look like to forgive when it becomes really difficult? Some of you grew up or you knew someone who grew up in a house where they didn't have a great mom. They had a mom that was abusive. Some of you grew up in a house where maybe your dad was abusive. And when you come here and you hear, I'm supposed to forgive, I'm wondering that might be a challenge. I don't even know if this helps. (laughs) How do you forgive someone who has abused you? They have damaged your core. And yet Jesus is saying, send it away. How are you supposed to forgive a spouse who cheated on you? See, there's some things that happen in society, like there are many women who return to an abusive spouse. And everyone in here knows that they shouldn't. But the dilemma is, we also tell them they should forgive. Some of us have experienced a spouse cheating on your friend. And you tell them, do not go back to them. They will do it again. That doesn't sound like a lot of forgiveness, does it? But in many cases... Is it true? That's a dilemma, isn't it? What are you supposed to tell your friend when Jesus says in Scripture from his own mouth, forgive them? But you are stuck in this case of, are we supposed to be telling people to go back to the abuse that they experienced just simply with the words of, I forgive you? Are we supposed to tell people to jump back into that relationship that is damaging? With the simple words, I forgive you. It's kind of perplexing, is it? Because what Jesus asks us to do doesn't always make sense. Now, the thing about this side of heaven is when we ask this question, what does it look like to forgive? The first words that I come up with is, it's really hard. I know for me, when I think about forgiving someone, it's easy to say, no, it's not really easy. To look at them in their face and say, I forgive you, is hard because I want my words to mean something. So sometimes I will delay forgiveness because I'm not ready to look at them and say, I forgive you. And then what becomes even more hard is to continue to follow through with that forgiveness. It's kind of like being addicted, right? You have that first day or three days where you're no longer addicted to whatever you're addicted to. Maybe it's TV, maybe it's, you know, whatever. I won't go through the list. I mean, we got a list, right? And you have this sense of freedom from this addiction, but in the same time that you have this freedom, you want what you had, even though you know it's not a good place. You know it's not good to binge watch 48 hours of Netflix. But you did it. And so you said, I'm not going to do it again. And then a new show comes out. And Netflix has to put the whole series out ready for you. And you begin to watch. And you click next episode. And you can even skip the credits. And go right into the next one and the next one. And you're right back into the place where you were before. Now, there's more serious things than binge-watching Netflix. And you and I both know what those are. But when you step away from that addiction, it's not long before you want to go right back to the prison that you were in. It's the same thing with forgiveness. See, when I don't forgive someone, I'm in prison with my own hate. My own anger my own view and lens on that person. I don't accept anything that God has to offer because I don't want to offer it. So in the moment where I do not want to forgive, I'm essentially saying, God, don't forgive me either. Let me stay in my darkness because I feel most comfortable here. And then a light shows it begins to shine just a little bit because God's word is powerful and you go, perhaps this place is not good for me. And so you go, I'm going to forgive. So you go to the person and you say, I forgive you. And you feel freedom. And then the very next day, you remember what the person did. Maybe they send you an email that's unfavorable. And pretty much what I have found out is that when I'm upset with someone, which rarely happens, but when I'm upset with someone, almost every email is unfavorable. I can find something. They didn't phrase something correctly, or they left something out, or they weren't thankful enough. I mean, I can pick it apart. The follow-through on the forgiveness is the issue. Even when you say you are forgiven, remember that on this side of heaven, it does not mean that the consequences are gone. So what does forgiveness look like when you have come from abuse? You are in prison if you can't forgive the person. But it doesn't mean that you should be upset that they are in prison. It doesn't mean that that relationship should be restored on this side of heaven. It doesn't mean that you have to go have a burger with that person every week. But it does mean that you should live in peace. But the follow through is hard. <clears throat> Just recently I was put in the presence of a person who I don't like. That's that's awful, isn't it? But it happens. This person had damaged me. This person had not repented. So if I go back to the scripture, Jesus even says, if they don't repent, wait till they repent and then forgive. Boy, I can hold on to one piece of scripture for a long time. But then when I look at this parable, it also says to continue to forgive. So I was in the presence of this person and I thought I had forgiven. I thought I was in freedom. But the follow-through was the problem, and I didn't realize that because I realized that in my forgiveness, I hadn't necessarily sent the sin against me away. I had just gone away. I had made sure I wouldn't have to see this person. I avoided this person. But because in this certain circumstance I was in the presence of this person once again, the Lord hit my heart where my unforgiving heart was likely to stay and reminded me that I need to continue to send that sin away and begin to see this person the way he sees him. Yeah, it makes it hard to hate someone. It makes it hard. It just makes it hard. The thing about forgiveness is that on this side of heaven, it's going to be hard. So I don't have nice little sayings for you to just go, forgiveness is easy if you believe in Jesus. It's not because we are people and we are full of sin, and instead of bringing grace, we often bring judgment, and instead of looking upon people with the eyes of God, we look upon with our own, and we limit what God can do through us. But Jesus tells Peter. Don't ever stop forgiving. That's what 70 times 7 means. Don't ever stop. He says, just keep on trying, Peter. Maybe Matthew's annoying you, but just keep on trying. Maybe Judas has wronged us all, but just keep on trying. Maybe the Pharisees are not fun to be with, but just keep on trying. Don't ever stop forgiving. And why? Because it's about representation. When we forgive, we represent who God made us to be. When we forgive, we show people who God is to the world. Because remember, Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. He came to forgive us. He came to die so that our sins could be forgiven. His primary mission was about forgiveness. Taking us out of the prison of unforgiveness and into the freedom of forgiveness. And so when we forgive, we represent Jesus himself. Paul says this to the church of Colossae. Since God chose you to be the holy people, remember, holy means to be set apart. So in the moment of your baptism, He sets you apart. You're forgiven. In the moment that you say, I believe in Jesus, He sets you apart. You are forgiven. In the moment that you have doubt, the Spirit intercedes upon you and reminds you of your forgiveness you are set apart as his people he marks you and claims you and that's what makes you holy since god chose you to be the holy people he loves you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy kindness humility gentleness and patience Tenderhearted mercy. Remember Jesus dying on the cross? Great mercy came from his lips when he shouted out, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. Give them mercy. And it wasn't a shout out like, man, Father, just forgive them no it was tender hearted it was completely from here because he cried out forgive them it comes from kindness forgiveness starts but tender hearted mercy it continues with with kindness because we strive to be kind even when we would rather have revenge That's how you continue and follow through with forgiveness. Now, I can think of great ways to revenge what I'm upset about. I can be crafty and not in a scrapbook sense, (laughs) more like a Satan sense, crafty. But the Lord says, no, forgiveness starts with kindness. So instead of looking for revenge, begin with kindness. I want you guys to think as I read through this list of what forgiveness starts with, perhaps there is someone that you're having a hard time forgiving. Or maybe it's not the start of forgiveness. It's following through with forgiveness. Anyone struggling with following through with forgiveness? Yeah, right? Because relationships, the funny thing about them is they continue. Especially if forgiveness is involved. And what it means is that you're going to see that person again, more than likely. Because instead of sending them away, you sent the sin away. So following through with forgiveness is where this, these words are important for us. Tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility. What does humility have to do with forgiveness? It allows you to see that you're no better than the person that you're forgiving. That's what this parable teaches as well. Right? There was an owner who was forgiven his debt or a manager, the manager then has these other people that he decides he's not going to forgive their debts. And those other people, a bigger group of people, saw that he didn't represent his boss very well. And this guy thought he was better than these people. And the owner comes back and says, you're not. In fact, because you withheld forgiveness, you are worse. So humility allows us to not think better of ourselves than others. And I'll tell you that forgiveness starts with humility because when you can think that way, then when you have to face a person that you need to say, I forgive you, it's not as if they need to do something in kind. Right? How many of you Forgiving a spouse, and then it's like, so are you gonna go do the dishes? You need to earn that. Forgiveness means that you send the sin away. Gentleness. When someone has wronged me, I can be very short and curt with them. I don't want to talk to him, And sometimes it's all over my face. Like, yeah, don't talk to me. This is not a good time. But God calls us to speak with love instead. To make space. That's what gentleness is, right? It's actually stopping all the other activity to center in on someone who needs to receive your love. We see that with great moms. There can be a mess of stuff going on, but when gentleness is exemplified in a mom, they stop and they'll look at that picture, even though they've seen 10,000 pictures by their child already. They'll listen to that story even though words are spelled wrong and it doesn't make sense. Gentleness means that you stop long enough so that you can make space for the relationship that needs to be reconciled. And patience is so key to forgiveness. See, it often takes time for people to change. Hopefully you've experienced that. I know I have. When you say I forgive you, it doesn't mean that you shift. When you practice forgiveness, it doesn't mean that because I've forgiven a person who's offended me that they'll never offend me again. That's why we never stop forgiving. Because we're patient. And patience means that you give up control. See, we even do this with our kids, right? We say, I forgive you in hopes that they will stop being stupid. Or let's not say our kids. We'll say this with our spouse. I forgive you. Don't ever do that again. Or we'll do this with our mothers. I forgive you, mom. But that is not exhibiting patience. Forgiveness means that you make space as well for God to change the person. And in doing so, he changes you. Forgiveness starts with these things, and that's all clothed in love. But forgiveness ends with thankfulness. So I want you to try this with someone who you are Having a difficulty with, that's a nice way to say that you don't like. Or having a challenge with, that's even better, right? It's a challenging person. Have you ever thought about that? It's just a challenging person. It's really a person that you cannot stand, but you're a challenging person. I'm going to ask you that you begin with looking and asking the Lord to give you something to be thankful for, for them. Something that they exhibit that you're thankful for. If you got that person in mind, some of you are going to go, well, if you knew the person I was thinking of, there is nothing to be thankful for. That's why I put in there, pray for the Lord to show you. Because in your deep anger, you're unable to see what God sees. And what you're asking is to have a glimpse of what He sees in that person. Just a glimpse so you can say something that you're thankful for. Because I believe when we find things to give thanks for about a person, we begin to represent who God is for us. Because God is thankful for you. He's thankful for me. He's thankful for us because He loves us. On this Mother's Day, moms are often thankful for their kids. And who do they get that from but our Heavenly Father, who is thankful for us. If we can start to see with God's eyes just a small glimpse, forgiveness will begin to reign in our hearts. I want you to hold that for a moment that God is thankful for you because I think sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget how much he gave up for us. We forget how much he forgives us daily. We forget that he's called us to be a child. He gave us an identity as part of his family. He gives us freedom. He put that power in forgiveness. And you can exhibit that power at any time by simply saying, I forgive you. Or even more boldly saying, please forgive me. I thank God for moms today for all of those women who are not my biological mom as well. The Lord has blessed me several occasions throughout my life, especially in my 20s when I wasn't around my mom, but he put ladies in my life who continued to guide me and speak to me and remind me about who God had asked me to be. God continues to do things through people because he's thankful for us, because he loves us. I pray that on this day that there might be someone that you are upset with or frustrated with, that we would take time in our prayer time, just like we did a few weeks ago in confession, is that if you need to confess that you are unable to forgive someone, As we gather for prayer and we respond to the message, that you would take time and come up and let someone hear that confession and allow that person then to speak over you words of forgiveness and also words of encouragement that you may go and forgive. I want us to be a church that is quick to forgive and not quick to send away. That we send away sin but not send away the person. That we give people chance after chance after chance. That we try to live in harmony. That when we find an offense against someone, we reconcile it. That when our marriages are struggling, we don't hide it, but we go and seek help in figuring out a way to forgive one another. that we live as a people who represent God because He's called us to and He's given us everything to do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. I thank You, Lord, that You were able to sustain my voice through this message. I pray that as we think about things to be thankful for, that we might borrow Your eyes even for a moment, Lord. And not only that we would borrow your eyes, but we would borrow your understanding. That as we look upon the person that we have a hard time with, that you would remind us of things that they do that you are thankful for, that you smile upon them for, that we could share in that just a little bit and claim it so that we can follow through with forgiveness. Lord, I thank you that you do follow through, that you forgive so freely, instantly, and you never send us away. But you send our sin so far away that it can never be found. That you never say that's twice or that's three times you are out, but instead you just say welcome back into my life again, back into my home again. I pray, Lord, that we would be people that would represent that and step out of the prison of an unforgiving heart. Hate is easy, Lord. It's easy to hate. It's easy to follow through with hate. But hate is never easy to live with. Forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is hard to follow through with. But Lord, it is great to live in forgiveness. Restore us, Lord. Heal our hearts. thank you for our moms we thank you for the moms who are here we thank you for women that you chose to be tender hearted that you chose that you would place upon them a gracefulness that can rarely be understood by men give us those eyes Lord to see the beauty that you see